Shalom and welcome to this week's edition of Secrets of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address, and we thank you very, very much for joining us today. Secrets of Meaning, as you know, hopes to explore issues related to the revolution in longevity that is impacting our families and community. Please check out our website at jewishsacredaging.com. Um, and if uh, you'd like to respond to us, comments, questions, just email me at rabbiaddress at jewishsacredaging.com. And we are very, very pleased to welcome as our sponsor, the Rothkoff Elder Law Firm, which provides a full range of assistance to individuals and families in the area of elder law. Rothkoff Law Group can be reached at rothkofflaw.com. That's R-O-T-H-K-O-F-F law.com or at 877-475-1101. And it is with a great deal of pleasure that we welcome all the way from the Netherlands uh, today, Barit Lewis, uh, the author of a very, very engaging new book, Aging Upwards. Uh, Barit, how are you? Welcome. Welcome to Seekers of Meaning. Nice to see you. Thank you so much for inviting me to join. I'm really thrilled to be here. Well, uh, our pleasure. I hope things are well in the Netherlands today. <laughs> oh yes, it's nice here. <laughs> are the tulip are the tulips in bloom? Is this still tulip season? It, they're pretty much over now, but now we're uh, moving on to the next. <laughs> no, there are always it, flowers here. <laughs> it's, no, I know it's the one. The w- couple of times I've been to Amsterdam, I remember driving in from the airport once and just fields and fields of yeah. beautiful tulips. It's, it was it's just, amazing. It's the best time right now. So, Aging Upwards, this brand new book, um, it's published uh, in hardback. It's published out of England, right? But you told me, ah, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and it's also available in the United States, correct? That's Through, correct, I imagine yes. the, usual, the usual bookstores, Amazon, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, yeah, you can get it. Yeah. All the, the, the usual suspects. Great, yes. great. So let let me get right to the p- point. It's a very interesting title. What does it mean to age upwards? Because you you do write um, that each of us quote has the responsibility to take responsibility for our own life and aging unquote. So w- what is what does that have to do with aging upwards? Does that mean I have to stand up as I age? <laughs> well, it's more like a, a mental uh, aging upwards because it came out of uh, me studying aging. And uh, and I realized that most research that's done into aging uh, and most books you can buy on the subject is really about avoiding aging. It's this um, narrative that we have in society that says that aging is a bad thing. And, you know, we, we tend to see our lives like this. So when you like you, you hit the middle of the life, you're like at the bottom and it's all downhill from then onwards. Um, but. I, my message is really that it's, it's not like that. First off, when you ask people, when are they, they the most happy? It's actually when they're 80. Uh, so it, the curve is actually the opposite of the narrative. And so my, um, my book is really about, um, confronting that narrative and, and trying to help us to reframe aging, to see it as something where we can, uh, we can grow from it and also, um, it's the mindfulness perspective in it, in the way that we, we also naturally, you know, when we're born, we have this caveman brain of ours that's trying to keep us safe and all these urges to react in certain ways to life's difficulties is about avoiding it. 
Um, but I'm saying that when we age, these difficulties that we meet is actually an opportunity for growth. Uh, and it's part of life. So, so aging upwards is about meeting life and it can be age related or it can not be, but life's challenges, uh, with a mindful approach that helps us, um, be more curious about it and accepting it and meeting it with self compassion. And then that way it can be a source of enrichment of our lives. You, you write that, that, and remind people that, um, and this may be especially important for Americans where we, we want a, an answer to everything right away that uh, one size of aging doesn't fit all that, that you talk to me about, about because I, this is something that we talk about a lot in Jewish sacred aging. When we do some workshops and programs that every individual, every family is unique. Everybody quote ages differently. Correct. Correct. Completely. Yeah. And I think this whole idea of, you know, because there's been so much research done into uh, how to stay young, um, right. the, the, the longevity part of it, we talk about successful aging. And there was also a time where we said we had all had to age gracefully. And I think that's, that's, uh, that's, that's not the right way of framing it because what is successful? Like, is that not to age? Is that actually to die or is it, is it to stay young, which is also, we can't do that. It's natural to age. So, um, to, 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 sorry, now I've lost the point there. What was no, the question? No, 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 about uh, one size fits all. Oh yes. About one size fits all. Yes. I think, so my book is really, uh, it's not giving the answers to how to age because I think we all have different ideas, what it is that's important to us uh, and what matters to me in my life. And I don't think you can tell people how to age successfully. And I think it's putting people in a wrong, um, like they're bound to fail if we have this idea that there's one way of aging successfully. I think it's about looking inside and seeing now that I've come to this last phase of my life, what is really important to me? How do I want to live my life? Who do I want to be? And how do I want to meet the world? And then let that be the guiding tool or the guiding compass for making choices in life and that's different to everybody because we all have different values do you think people are afraid to 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 really do this i mean to really confront and ask themselves what do i really really want out of this last stage of my life do you think there's a fear factor in that i think there is because because when you when you are invited to meet all your old habits and all your ways of responding to life and your old beliefs, like we have this idea that whatever I'm thinking is the truth, right? Because it's me, it's coming from me. That must be the truth. But when you actually really go in there and, and curiously ask yourself, what have I been saying to myself my whole life? Is that actually true? And I think that takes a lot of courage. Uh, and it takes a lot of, of compassion as well, self-compassion to be ordered to meet that because to be able to face, let's say you've told yourself your whole life, I'm not good enough. And to actually face that is, 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 is difficult and hard. So yes, I think it's a, it, it's a lot. It can create a lot of fear and it can also create a lot of fear because going older is associated with difficulties. We, we can expect that there will be challenges, physical, but also mental challenges, cognitive challenges. And of course, that, that's not uh, easy to embrace. So it, it's something that takes a lot of courage. I think it's hard. 
But I think if we can do it, I think we can actually go beyond this fear and, and let it be a source of inspiration. You have this wonderful uh, Rumi c- uh, quote, which I want to make sure that I get right. Mm-hmm. It says, yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I am changing myself. Uh, yeah. It's a, a, that's an, that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful quote. I mean, it's a beautiful quote, but it really does tie into um, what you were just talking about. The changing of oneself, that, correct me if I'm wrong, as I read through the book, the tool that unlocks this is mindfulness meditation. Is this correct? Yeah, it's, it's, it's correct in the way that you, you can be mindful without meditating. Right. But I think meditation definitely helps a lot because it, it is allowing yourself to take that break and step back and saying, right now I'm not doing anything else but looking inwards and exploring how I work on the inside and how I am interacting with the world. So uh, there's a lot of written about mindfulness. It's a buzzword. It's been around for a long time and, and everybody uses it. So there's also a lot of myths and misconceptions about it. But for me, it's uh it's awareness it is um and for me it's not a religious uh thing either it's 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 a secular thing where you basically step back and you start to ask yourselves or notice how how am i reacting to all these things in life so i i'm meeting challenges how's my brain framing this how's my brain meeting it and how is it reacting to it what is it wanting me to do? Does it want me to run away or does it want me to fight it? And then step back saying, okay, so this is my caveman brain, the brain that I'm born with that's making me do all these things. But is that really who I want to be? Is that how I want to interact with the world? And this awareness gives me the freedom to respond to life in a different way. And maybe also the curiosity to reframe it and look at it from a different perspective. Because I think, um, of course, we can't, we can't sit on a meditation cushion and change the world, but we can sit on a cushion and, and explore how am I wired, how am I created, and then say, okay, maybe this, this uh, evolutionary way of responding to stress is not the way that I want to react. And then I can override it. But just taking those extra seconds and say, okay, what else can I do? How else can I respond? Because our brain is wired for survival and not for thriving. Um, say that again. Our brain is <laughs> – no, 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 just because I don't want to let that pass by. Say that again. Brain, our brains are, are wired for survival, not for thriving. Yeah. And a, a typical example of that is, you know, we all want to eat fatty food. We all want to eat to eat sugary sugar stuff because, you know, that's our brain telling us that's good for us. And that's because that makes us, if we were still caveman living on the savannah, that would be good for us and that would be good for our uh, survival. But it's not necessarily the thing that's going to help us thrive. And often... Things like, let's say, loneliness, which it can be a, a, a big thing when you are older. Right. Um, our brain will tell us to say, okay, it's safer to stay at home because you're not risking yourself getting out there, being embarrassed or being rejected and so forth. So 
your brain will tell you that it's safer to stay at home. That's all about survival. But you can ask yourself, is this actually good for me, for my well-being, my mental well-being? And in most cases, it's not. So you can step back and, and notice this way of being urged to do one thing and then ask, could I do it in a different way that's actually better for me? And you, you actually include, I mean, the mi- mindfulness is a big part of this book. And yes. so when people, you, we get this, you will see there's there at the end of each chapter section, there are little questions, but at the end, like in an appendix, there is, there, are those little, you'll have to tell me because I'm, com- I'm technologically challenged because my grandchildren are not here. Um, those little thingy that you scan. QR these, codes, like QR, these, these little yeah, things. QR yes. codes, the QR codes. Yes. I, uh, <laughs> for the life of me. Um, but you can scan them with your phone, right? And you, and it gets the meditation exercises that you build into the book. That's correct. Yes. So, um, so it helps you. I will guide you through it. And, 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 and you don't have to sit and meditate because that's difficult for people who's never meditated before. Uh, and, and then I will guide people in, in, in questioning things and noticing things. And it's important to, to, for people who may say, well, I like to, I've heard about this, but I'd like to try it. It's not like something. I think you have a section in the book. I, I, it says it, it, if you're meditating and your mind begins to wander, that means you haven't flunked meditation. That means this is what the brain does. So just roll with yeah. it. Right. Right. Yes. Because again, back to this thing about keeping us safe. Of course, our brain will scan the environment for anything that's dangerous. And that's what we do. It will go off somewhere and thinking, oh, I should do this instead, or what if, what if, and it will continue to do that. But we can, we can train our brains to, to actually be more focused on whatever it is. Because right now our attention is the way we, we teach our brain, the way we grow up right now with our computers and our phones and the multitasking, we, we are always on and we teach our brain that everything is important. So every time we get distracted, we tend to go along with it and let ourselves be distracted. But the skill to focus is actually something that we can train, just like playing a violin or learning to play soccer or whatever. So we're speaking with Barit Lewis, the author of this brand new book, Aging Upwards, available at all the usual outlets. We'll be back with Barit because I want to do some vocabulary checking with you because you have some interesting mnemonics uh, in this book to guide us. We'll be back with Barit right after this message from our sponsors, Rothkoff Law. We are health care advocates to help navigate the issues associated with the aging process, to access benefits that are available for those individuals. Rothkoff Law Offices helped us with my mother's home. We didn't know that we had to put it in my mother's name in order to save the home. Everything that he said is true. I mean, I've had, we've had so many questions, and it didn't matter when I call, everybody is always there. In one word, it's been incredible. And the expectations going in, because we didn't know what we were going to be involved with, what we, the situation, how we were going to deal with any of these items, the expertise, the service, and implementation of the plan has been totally critical to the success that we've experienced. A group who understands how important the care is is paramount. I would highly recommend that anyone look at their website, review the information, look at their client experiences. We've been very satisfied with everything from start to finish. 
We're back with Barit Lewis, uh, the author of Aging Upwards. Barit, in, in the book, um, what's embrace? What is embrace? You talk about this. It's the opposite of running away. It's the opposite of this narrative in our society about aging being something to avoid, something that's bad, and actually go in and say, what is good in this moment? What is good in my life right now? And it's about so I'm using embrace uh, as as a helpful uh, an, um, acronym for mm-hmm. helping us. So uh, there is sort of the baseful mindfulness skills, which is in the in the loop, the E at the beginning and the E at the end. But then in the middle, I have uh, the M, which is the mindset. So this ability to change our focus and our way of looking at things, our perspective, and then the the BR is for broadening out. And this is about our ability to uh, shift our focus. So if something happens to us when we are older, let's see our knees are not working as they used to. Uh, and what we can do and what people tend to do is focus a lot on this, this particular thing that's creating suffering in life. And we can get so hooked up in that one thing. But if we are able to broaden out our perspective, we can also say, what else is here right now? Yes, so my knee is bugging me, but what else is here? So maybe right now I still have sunshine. Right now I have my grandchildren around me. Right now I have um, sunshine. I have warmth. I have a roof. And in the moment, feeling that's pleasurable. And then that way it's sort of, I often give the image of saying, Imagine you have a little coffee cup and you put a teaspoon of salt in it. It really ruins the taste and all you can taste is the salt. But if you are able to have sort of a a big, big soup container that you have in the industrial kitchens and you drop some salt in there, you can still taste the salt, but it's diluted and it doesn't take over. So the broadening out is an ability to sort of see, okay, there is one thing that's not good in this moment, but there are so many else things happening in my life so and then the uh, sorry yeah no no go ahead go ahead finish finish okay uh and so the, the next one is the um the a in embrace and that's for affection so meeting things with self-compassion because we have a tendency to treat ourselves really badly and if we do something wrong or if something's not working the way it should we'll blame ourselves and we'll call ourselves different things but we can meet this with more kindness and saying it's okay, it is natural to be human, it's natural to fail, it's natural to age, it's natural to have difficulties. And then the last thing is uh, adaption or committing to uh, to change. So it's not about just sitting on the mat, as I said earlier, and think about things in a different ways. It's actually to go out and adapt. So if I can no longer walk because my knee is troubling me, what else can I do then? Can I maybe bike or can I swim or what else? What that gives me pleasure still. So that's the embrace uh, framework that I suggest in the book. There seem, there's a, it seems to be, um, I know in, in our tradition, when we talk a lot about, about aging, we always emphasize, uh, you know, the concept of gratitude. So it, yeah. it seems in the embrace formula, there's that, there's room for that idea of gratitude, uh, of, you know, focusing on, the blessings in life, even yes. though you may have lots of other issues. And yes. as we all get, everybody's going to have something. 
everybody's yeah. probably going to have something. And uh, there are life, people who, right? just, yeah. yeah, there are people who just curl up because I have something, and there are other people who say, "Okay, I got this, but it's not going to stop me from yeah. going here with my grandchildren, or playing tennis, or going on this trip, or or yes. anything else like that." You, you you also have this wonderful, and I want to make sure I get the the quote correctly by Viktor Frankl towards the end of the book that I wrote down because it's just a, a very interesting image. So I want to ask you about, it says, quote, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies your freedom, unquote. What does that mean? <laughs> it is really that pause. It's, it's that whenever we experience difficulties, our body and our minds will just react to keep us safe instantly. So if, if we, Somebody says some, something to us, we, we might habitually respond aggressively or we might habitually shut it down or whatever that, depending on our, the way we brought up. But if we are able to take that little pause in the middle and say, okay, I'm noticing that right now I am being affected by whatever is happening, whatever somebody said to me, and I'm noticing that I want to be re aggressive towards this person. And then you just take the break and say, okay, but what is the right way for me to respond to this? Who do I want to be as a person? And what is benefiting me in the long run? And that, just that little pause, that's the space between stimulus and response. That enables us to respond to life in a different way. Uh, and it could be the skills for in the embrace framework, for instance. So to meet the challenges and respond instead of just instinctually react like we tend to do. No, and that's it's, our freedom. It's very interesting because there's there's part of our tradition, you know, which basically says you don't in a in a moment of crisis or you that's not the time to make a decision. It's yeah. sometimes you just like you just, just step back, just let this be, let it let it let this new situation just get used to, and then you can decide on a more systematic, rational, spiritual, yeah. fill in the right word. Um, yeah. But that's why I think it, because the, the Frankel quote was very, that's, that space, um, that a lot of people don't give, give ourselves that space. It, it's that's a, right. it, 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 it's a, a reaction. You have this. And, and physically, I can even say, like, physically, it, it, it even helps us to think about it. You know, whenever we experience difficulties, it's a really basic part of the brain, the inner part of the brain that, that, that signal will come to first. Uh, but what we can do when we just take that pause is actually to let this smarter part of the brain make the decisions. And that's really what we're talking about, that millisecond for the signals to go from here, our reaction, and up to a, a smarter part of the brain. And that's where I would imagine the mindfulness training takes uh, is very, very important. So you've trained your brain to just say, just time out. Let me just sit on this for a little while, right? Uh, okay? I mean, am I okay? Translating that into New Jerseyan, completely correctly. correct. Yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> okay. We, we, there's a Talmudic expression in our tradition from the from one of the ancient texts, um, which basically says "Sheva al Taaseh" in Hebrew, which basically means, "Listen, just just wait a minute, just wait a minute, just sit down, just wait a minute before you jump to conclusions, start doing anything." Um, yeah. You have this, um, towards the end of the book, ants to pets. 
A N T S to P E T S. So I, could you just walk us through that so pe- so people may not understand that they're not collecting ants and turning them into <laughs> the house pets? What what was it? What do these acronyms mean? Yeah. So ants is automatic negative thoughts, uh, and and they that. are the thoughts that we've been telling ourselves our whole lives. So can it can be thoughts like I'm not good enough, or I'm a bad parent, or I'm bad at math or the world is a difficult ch- place, or people are out to get me, all these th- habits that we tend to have picked up along the way and we take them for granted because we, we think they're truth, but, but they might not be. They might be, but they might not be. And so um, when we practice mindfulness, we can start to notice them and say, okay, ah, I'm listening. I hear that voice in my head again saying I'm not good enough. That's not going to let me live the life I want to live if I keep hearing that voice. So what can I replace it with? And then you can replace it with pets. And, and that's positive enhancing thoughts. So again, this is an, an individual exercise. We each one has to find our own, but it could be something like it's okay to fail or it's only human to, to make mistakes. Uh, something that helps us encourage and meet difficulties with, with kindness and compassion to ourselves. Do you think we learned some of this starting when we were children, these reactions? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think we, we learned them from day one. In everything yeah. we see, how our parents are and everybody around us. And I think the world we live in today where it's all about achievements and it's about uh, status, earning more, we these these innate forces in us are really socially uh, enforced because we're telling we are we're constantly telling our children and ourselves to be better than everybody else. So so that's kind of an aggressive way of putting it. But we could maybe start to notice how are we all alike as human beings instead of how am I different from human beings from the others. And, and that's the compassionate way. And, and I think we have these compassion and aggression within us. And it's up to us which one we cultivate and which one we nurture. Yeah. I, I'm, the more we do this in, in our work, and, and you're alluding to this, um, the more I find the impact of, you know, family of origin messages that, you know, were those messages that were put into us when we were children, they're still, 70, 80, 90, those, those messages are still there. And, and we just, sure. I guess what you're saying is part of the aging upwards is learning how to understand them, put them in their proper perspective and put them in a context of you're not, I'm not 12 anymore. Yeah. Uh, yes. You, and you it have- might be these, these pattern help us when we're young and we want to, we're in the middle of our career and we want to achieve something then it's good. But maybe when we're down the line, maybe they're not so beneficial anymore. So it's about stepping back and saying, what's good for me now? Yeah. Some of them were not so good when we were 12. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you, you, you have in the book, this, um, this formula, um, for successful aging. I want to make sure I get it right. Notice it, note it, know it, let it go. Notice yeah. it, know it, note it, note it, N-O-T-E, note it know it, K-N-O-W it, and then let it go. Real quickly, what does that mean? 
it it's about noticing how I'm reacting in life. Oh, so okay. it it's about uh, I'm noticing, for instance. So I I could say I I notice thirst. I note that's when I label it as thirst, and I know it. Uh, so that's when you sort of start to to realize that that's how it feels like to feel thirst. If we're looking back at those patterns we just talked about, it would be to start noticing that thought in my head. Note it. Ah, there's an ant. Know it. Ah, that thought is driving me and then let it go. So don't let it, don't let that thought be the one that controls your life. That was real so, short. It's a the, really difficult one to. No, 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 yeah. no. And the letting it go, I, I, we, this comes up all the time in a lot of the workshops we do. It's the challenge when we get to a certain age, when we look back of trying, of saying, I got to let go of a lot of this stuff that's holding me back in order to, to really live my life. I just got to let go. But it's very difficult, isn't it? It's very difficult. Very, very. And, and it's about accepting the things that you cannot change. It's really that old saying about knowing the difference between what you can change and what you can't say. I think it's a, what's it called? The serenity player, prayer. Right. The serenity yeah. prayer. And, and, so, and it is about that. And then all the things that you cannot change anyway, it's, it's about letting go of those and say, okay, that's just who I am right now. I cannot do the things I used to do or I'm experiencing difficulties and I cannot change it. So how can I best deal with this life that I'm living right now? Which leads me to, to ask you, um, you use the term uh, self-compassion. I think in the book you use the word self-affection. Um, how important, walk, walk us through that, because I, I think I've encountered people, and I'll, I'll plead part of this guilty to myself, when you talk about, well, you have to really, you know, practice self-compassion on yourself. No, no, I can't do that after all. It's ego, it's egotistical. How, really unpack that idea of what you're talking about as we get older is self self-compassion self-affection what do you mean so it's about meeting the things that let's say you know if we brought our children up the same way that we think to ourselves like let's say we have a, a one-year-old that's just starting to walk and that kid is falling down all the time we would never tell that kid oh you stupid idiot why can't you walk get yourself together but we tend to say our, to, that's the same thing to us. And I think instinctually we know when we're dealing with our friends or with our children or parents that we're not encouraging people to learn new things if we are telling them off. And it, it, it works exactly the same when we are in, inside, when we talk to ourselves. If we are always telling ourselves off for not being good enough and not doing our best or making mistakes, we're also going to be have a fear of trying again right and that way is not really something that's encouraging us to become better human beings or more skillful at different things so it, it it's a uh, i think it's we think we have to be so hard to ourselves to make make us any better but i think actually it's a wrong strategy and and we can and it's a it's a skill and and I know I, I re, I see that all the time when I teach mindfulness. People say, you know, when I'm trying to teach them self-compassion, they're saying, but I'm not worth it. That's what they're met with. They're met with this voice that says, and I'm not worth it. 
but we all are, we're all worth it. It's just again that really aggressive society that we bring our children up in and that we internalize that we're meeting inside. But we right. can choose differently. It's sometimes difficult to accept my own uniqueness and that we are each one of us is a unique person with a unique yeah. creation. Yeah. Um, I guess as you're alluding to that, that society wants to sort of like massage everything in one big whatever, yeah. as opposed to the celebrating the uniqueness of everybody, which yeah. is yeah. a challenge. And it's not the same as, as saying that you're egoistic and saying that you're better than others. You're just saying that you are good the way you are and there are things you're good at and there are things that you're not so good at and that's okay. At the end of the book, at the epilogue, you have this image that I, that I wrote down that I, I wanted to ask you about before we, before we run out of time. And that's the garden image. And, um, is it, was it your way of, of sort of like symbolizing life itself that we, cause in, in our tradition, we have references to one plants the seeds so that the following generations can bear, eat the fruit of what we planted. Mm. But is this part of what you mean by aging upwards and your definition of successful aging that we're each in essence planting our own garden for the next generation? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know about the next generation. Maybe because I hope so, because we're being good role models to the people after us. But it's also our capacity to shape and form our own gardens, our own lives, how we want to be, how we want to contribute, and how um, the things that are inherent in us, we can still, to some degree, uh, shape them. So we can't control our thoughts and emotions and the things happening to us, but we can always control how we respond to them. And, and, and I think that's, that's, there are some strong forces at play, but we can, we can do our part to make it fit so that we're creating a good world. Bereed Lewis, the author of Aging Upwards, uh, available at all the usual outlets uh, where books are obtained, including Barnes & Noble, bookstores, Amazon, etc. Uh, Bereed, thank you very, very much uh, for joining us. Uh, wish you continued success with the book and health. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And we want to thank also uh, Rothkoff Law, our sponsor for these series of podcasts right now. Again, you can you can contact the Rothlaw, Rothkoff Law Group uh, at rothkofflaw.com or their uh, 800 number, 877-475-1101. I want to thank you very, very much for joining us on today's edition of Seekers of Meaning, the podcast and TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. If you would like to become a sponsor of some of our podcasts, uh, please just email me at rabbiaddress at jewishsacredaging.com. If you'd like to make a tax-free donation to help us continue this work, please go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com, and scroll down to the conveniently located Donate button. Just follow the prompts real, real easy. We thank you for those who have already done that. Um, again, our website, jewishsacredaging.com, and if you'd like to contact me, rabbi address at jewishsacredaging.com. Uh, the Seekers of Meaning podcasts and TV shows are produced at the Broadcast Center of Lubeckian Media 
in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and a big shout out to our producer, Steve Lubetkin. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address, and I look forward to greeting you again on our next Seekers of Meaning podcast and TV. In the meantime, please stay safe, everyone. Stay healthy and be kind to one another. Shalom.